Hey, welcome to Bradley's Chat. This is Bradley, um, broadcasting live from the bunker. The bunker is currently under re- under uh, renovation, so if you hear a little bit of an echo, it's because I've uh, torn out a couple walls from this room, and um, there's debris everywhere. And I'm going to turn my current uh, gaming hobby room into a storage area and open up to the laundry room down here, kind of make one big huge storage area. Then I'm going to turn the current storage area into a room for my wife to do her painting and crafts and for me to wargame in. So that's what, so if you hear a little bit of an echo tonight, it's nothing wrong with your computer, don't adjust the dial, it's it's all on this end. Um, so lately, last night actually and today, I've set up some practice battles just solo, trying to slow the game down a little bit for myself. I've found myself playing pretty carelessly and missing a lot of things during games. Um, Not playing tactics cards that I should play, uh, not taking advantage of the abilities of units, and just putting myself in some really dumb situations. And so with the tournament coming up, I'm kind of starting to get in the tournament mindset um, where I want to have fun, I want the games to be enjoyable. Uh, I want to be a good sport, but more more importantly, and on top of that, I'd like to win win some of those games. So I really don't want to. I have no problem losing. I just don't want to lose because of something stupid. You know, if I get outplayed, I get outplayed. But if I if I make silly mistakes by the handful, which lead to you know disastrous defeats, that's going to be disappointing. And I really want to avoid that disappointment. So I'm doing preparation. Um, so, you know, drawing out my three tactics cards, setting up the board, and just kind of going really slow. You know, looking at my cards, looking at where the objectives are, looking at where the ADB units are, looking at where the terrain is, and just kind of going through several turns with against different opponents with my uh, Tywin list and just kind of running through in my head what I should do, what I, you know, what happens when I do these things, and trying to come up with some combinations just so... Uh, I'm not super shocked by anything that happens. Um, yeah, that echo is kind of bugging me too. I might have to change locations because this is kind of driving me insane as well. Um, first off, when I get back, we're going to look at flayed men for a little bit and talk about them. So we'll be back in just a moment. Alright, so flayed men, who are these vaunted killing machines? Who are these who are these guys that everybody wants to take in their army to a tournament? Who are these guys, you know, that we see people painting multiple units of them? Um, how scary are they? How bad are they? You know, let let's take a look at these guys. Flayed men are a bolt in neutral unit. I mean, um, you can take three of them or four of them or something in a neutral army, but in a uh Non-neutral army, when you take a neutral, you can't have over 50% of your points being neutral. So, you know, I play Lannister list, or if I play a Stark list, or if I play a Nightwatch Nightwatch list, the max I'm going to be able to take is two, and that's going to be 20 points. It's going to be half my points in a 40-point game. You know, that would, would that's what that would amount to. So, Flaidman. So, they cost 10 points. They have a movement of five. However, being cavalry... 
they get to make a free uh, maneuver action at the start of their activation. So, um, you know, charge range is basically going to be 16 inches if they roll a 6, you know, if they're charged. So that's their max range. You know, with they have war flails. They don't, they don't have a range attack. They have a melee attack. So they have 8 attacks hitting on 3s. If they're down to the last rank, they still have 6 attacks hitting on 3s. The armor save, this is what I think people really think is so good about these guys. The armor save of 2. And they have a morale that's a little bit better than an average of 6. The war flail gives them critical blow, so it's going to cause 6... You know, two hits on a roll of six. And they have vicious, so um, defenders are going to suffer minus two to their panic test. You know, if they take a, you know, if they take a wound during the combat, which they will. So let's look at this. So we know that eight attacks hitting on threes is going to be like probably an average of five hits, right? Well, because they have critical blow, I just always automatically assume that's going to be an extra hit. So let's say we give them six hits. Say they're going against a Lannister Guardsman unit with a Guard Captain, which costs 6 points. Lannister Guardsman with a Guard Captain has a defense save of 3. So we've already established, you know, the Flayed Men hit the, hit the uh, Guardsman head on. They're going to do 6 hits. Well, the Guardsmen, out of those 6 hits, they should block 4 or 5 of them. Right? Which means you should only get out of the initial combat, you know, what's your average damage dealt to you, you know, from these vaunted flayed men charging you head on with a defense of three should be two wounds. And because you have a guard captain, the most you're going to take from a, pan a failed panic test is a one. So say, you know, the combat you take three wounds. Well, because you passed your Lannister supremacy due to having a guard captain, you're going to force a negative two panic test on them. So you might have taken two or three wounds. You know, in their turn, they're probably going to take a wound or two because they're going to have a six plus save and a minus two. So that's probably going to be, you know, they're either going to pass it or they're going to take one or two wounds. So you're not really coming out that far behind if you're a Lannister. Now say you're a Stark and and you get hit the same way. You're not going to be dishing much damage back out and you have a 4 plus armor save. Well, you're going to be taking, you know, 4 or 5 wounds. So you're probably going to take, you know, one or two more wounds as a Stark, as a Stark Sworn Sword versus a Guardsman. Uh, if, say, my, pyro, my Pyromancers get hit, you know, Defense 6, then they're probably going to lose, you know, chances are, due to the critical hit, they're, out of those 8 attacks, they're probably going to lose 6 guys. Uh, you know, um, I always run a guard captain with my pyromancer, so we're looking at seven total, including the panic test. Um, you know, crossbowmen's going to be a lot worse. Um, they might have a slightly better defensive save, but they've got one less worse morale. So I'm going to probably say they probably lose like seven, seven guys if they get hit. So I don't want flayed men hitting, hitting my damage dealers. I don't want them hitting, you know, my mountains men. I don't want them hitting. Um, I want them hitting stuff that has a defensive three. I don't want them hitting my knights because I don't want, you know, or I don't want them hitting my outriders either. I don't want them hitting my troops, which I'm going to, that I need 
that I'm paying for them to maneuver. Like Outriders are paying seven points because they've got that maneuver. You know, they they're fast. They can get across the board quickly. They get the free maneuver of their cavalry, so they get the cavalry benefit. Plus, they get the rapid assault benefit. You know, or you land on the horses, land on the if you take over the horses on the tactic zone, they get to make a free charge. Um, you're paying for the ability of you know once they've been engaged in melee. They can they can make a free retreat action after the melee, um, you know you're paying for that stuff. So you don't you want those guys to go after you know your outriders. If you're playing against Lannisters, you want those guys going after you know crossbowmen, pyromancers, you know even mountainsmen. You don't want them going after guardsmen with guard captains. You don't want them you know going after flayed men or knights you just don't want that you know you don't want it I mean there's going to come times in the game where maybe you have to do it but generally speaking you don't want to do it so flayed men so far as damage output goes it's going to be similar to the damage output of you know mountains men it's going to be similar to the damage output of you know sworn brothers it's going to be um you know they're not gonna they're not gonna wipe out a single unit in one round of combat. Um, now, you know having said that, there's a couple units you don't want to get hit by with them. You know, like say you've got like uh, what is it, Ranger Trackers. I mean, you probably don't want your Ranger Trackers getting hit by you know flayed men. You probably don't want you know your uh, your bowmen getting hit, you know, your Stark bowmen getting hit by, by flayed men. Um, the, only, the only reason you won't care if, if they hit, you know, your great axes or your berserkers because you're going to be able to dish some more wounds and hope you hold them in place and you can hit them with something else. But flayed men, I mean, for all their glory, for 10 points, I think their defense is going to be controversial. Hold on to your hat. I think their defense is what makes them scary, not their offense. Um, you know, where, where we can with, you know, Stark Sworn Swords or Lannister Guardsmen, you know, hold on to an objective for five or six points and do a pretty good job of it. You know, we might last, survive, you know, two turns, you know, maybe three turns on an objective under Continuous Assault, you know, for lucky three turns. You know, the Flayed Men might, might survive four turns. So, you know, we're paying five points to score two victory points, where they're paying ten points to score, you know, three. So they're not super efficient at scoring victory points. You know, your enemy's probably going to be sending these guys after or trying to get to, you know, your units that can actually, that are serious, you know, offensive threats to their army. So it goes to reason that we're going to want to Hopefully entice the flayed men to fight units like, you know, Sworn Swords, Tully Sworn Shields, um, you know, Great Axes, Berserkers, um, Lannister Guardsmen, Halberdiers. You know, we, we want to keep, make sure that we deploy in such a way that, you know, we're not giving them free shots at our pyromancers or crossbowmen, you know, our, our ranged attack guys. We don't want them hitting, you know, our... Um, we don't want them hitting or charging. Let's put it that way. We don't want them charging like our outriders. We don't want them charging our knights. 
Um, we really don't want them even engaging our knights. You know, our knights, if you're playing Lannisters, you want to you wanna send the knights against enemy infantry and softer targets. Um, if you got a chance to, to hit some outriders with some knights, well, by all means, go and do it. Um, but your preferred target's going to be like enemy infantry. I, I tend to think of flayed men as being like the Pac-Man game, the ghosts. You know, you're going around scoring points, you know, you're eating up all the little pebbles or whatever, and these ghosts are just floating around, kind of a pain in the ass, and you just got to be aware of where they are and where their reach is and that kind of thing. Um, if they're out hunting your units and are not scoring victory points, you should be scoring victory points. And, that, and that's something I've really been practicing on, you know, getting ready for this tournament is keeping my eye on the ball. Um, you know, I've got to get with my Tywin list, it's imperative that I get my halberdiers and my guardsmen on those objectives and start scoring first on those. Um, everything else is going to be, you know, it's going to be something else. Just try to survive as long as I can to win the game. Um, make sure that I try to keep my offensive units in position to put pressure on the enemy. Um, don't don't be foolish and throw them out there into man, no man's land like I have, you know, occasion to do sometimes. You know, and friendlies, don't keep them out of no man's land. Keep everybody supported, that kind of thing. So, flayed men being armored too, okay? So, you're going to want to hit them in the flank or the rear. You know, in the flank, you're going to get minus one. They're going to get a minus one armor save to make it a three. And there's a huge difference, it seems like, when you're rolling dice between a two plus and a three plus. Um, if you get a chance to get them in the rear, I mean, that's fantastic. Because, you know, then they're at a minus two. So now they're, now they're at, you know, an average four plus defense save. You know, your units with Sundering or Stark Fury or units with, with Critical Blow. Those units can put wounds on them. Um, not to say that wounds on, on one of them is not important. They are. Um, I'm just saying that if you plan your whole attack to, you know, maybe put three and you do the math in your head and you're looking at three wounds on them, I don't know. Um, maybe another alternative would be to, you know, reposition yourself to take them farther out of the game or to bring you closer to support rather than taking that attack. It's too easy in this game to get some healing. I mean, um, I can only imagine, like, Flayed Men and, like, a Night's Watch list with Amon. I can only imagine what that would do. I can only imagine um, how easy it is just to take that money and, you know, you've gone to all this trouble to finally remove one of the miniatures off a tray of Flayed Men and, you know, boom, they put whoever on the money and, well, Flayed Men are back. Flayed Men are back to search full strength. So, um, kind of my plan from a Lannister perspective to deal with Flayed Men is I'm going to try and hurt them with panic. You know, I want to, when they're close to their corpse pile, I want to uh, try to stack the panic on them with Cersei. I want to I think I have a better shot at hurting them with panic than I do anything else. When I attack them, I want to make sure I'm attacking them with something with Sundering. For example, like Crossbowmen. Seven attacks hitting on threes. Um, so let's just say, let's be conservative and say that's four hits. Um, unlike Ryan's Crossbowmen, who shot me up for like seven hits and seven wounds every time they, you know, 
launched on me the other night. Let's just, let's just talking about we're talking about mere mortal crossbowmen. You know, Lannister crossbowmen was sundering. So let's say they get four hits on the mountains men. Okay, and they have sundering. So, you know, the mountains have a two plus save. So now they're going to be a three plus save on four four dice, right? So they're going to take a wound from out of those crossbowmen. They'll take a wound. And then, say you've got the Cersei card on them, which you should have on them. It's a negative two. Say they're by a corpse pile. It's a negative three. So now they have a now they have a uh, a chance. You know they're at range. They got to take a panic test. I mean that's how you remove a figure. You know, and if they put it back on, that's great because you know they've wasted their time on a tactic zone, um, going for the money to heal those flayed men, and you'll be in a position next time to do the exact same thing. You know you're stalling them. If I wanted to destroy flayed men, I would do it where, you know, I would shoot him with a crossbowman and then charge him with the knights or charge him with Gregor or hit them with the pyromancers. Basically with flayed men, usually, usually you're only going to see one of them. Um, and the way I've seen people play them is they either send them out in a flank by their lonesome or they have them in the middle hoping to, you know, get lots of... Uh, Lots of damage or whatever, you know, they'll do lots of uh, combats with them. Um, either way, you're okay. If they have them out in the flank, just, you know, just delay them and try to maneuver, keep yourself in a position to keep them out of the game for as long as possible. Keep them away from, you know, threatening your units that are scoring victory points for you. If they put them in the middle, then that's when, you know, hopefully you have some good stuff in the middle. You know, maybe you've got... Um, you know, great axes, you know, sworn swords in the middle. Well, you want to double hit them. You know, if they if they hit your sworn swords, they charge your great axes, you know, they're going to be engaged. So in your turn, maybe you can counterattack with whatever unit they hit and then hit them in the flank, and then they've got a panic test on top of that. That's when you'll start getting them, doing them damage when they actually get engaged. But you don't want to just engage them in a situation where you have one unit all by its lonesome out in no man's land trying to fight flayed men. It's not going to work. Um, and remember, that's that's 25% of the points of your opponent's army is in that one unit. So if they take flayed men, the rest of their army is not going to be full of, you know, heavy-hitting, attachment-filled, you know, fully effective units. They might have one. They might have two decent units in addition to flayed men. Um, but when they take flayed men, they're paying for that. Um, you know, I've seen some Lannister lists, I guess, where they take, like, um, you know, three units of knights and one unit of flayedmen. I mean, that's fine and dandy, but none of those units are good at at defense. You know, if the flayedmen are kind of, but, I mean, you're paying a lot of points just for a unit that's going to score you one victory point per round, right? I mean, that's not efficient. So you should be able to work a way around that. Um, knights, knights are great on the charge, but they are not so good when you've got them engaged. I mean, they lose all bonuses. Um, you know, they're just hitting you with six dice, hitting on threes. You know, you're looking at three or four hits. You know, they're not going to... If a unit is engaged with... <coughs> oh, excuse me. If you've got, like, you know, a unit of knights engaged with a unit of sworn swords... It's going to take them a long time to chew through that, okay? And and that's going to give you time to get in their flanks, etc. Um, you know, I I wouldn't even be nervous, you know, with my Tywin list. 
Um, I'm not worried about knights. I mean, I what are they going to attack my halberdiers with, you know, in the front with? I'm going to hit them first. I'm going to give them, hit them with Lannister supremacy with Tywin. I mean, I I don't really consider like um, all cavalry armies to be um, efficient for their points. You know, because there's not a lot of attachments you can take with them at this point. Um, I just don't see them. I don't see them being that efficient right now. I mean, I take two. I take the mountain that rides. I take a unit of knights. That's all I take. Um, because I've decided, I made a mental decision in my head that, you know, how I'm going to, my plan, it's never deviated. Um, and it works good when I, when I run it the way it's supposed to be ran. Um, it works terrible when I try to make it do things it shouldn't do. Um, but that's that's pretty much the way I look at it. So don't be scared of knights. Don't be scared of flayed men. Um, there's a lot of good attachments in this game. There's a lot of good ways to put, like, you know, attachments that put tokens on the enemy, attachments that um, give you, like, when you're engaged, a plus one to hit and plus two dice. There's attachments that give your units, you know, plus two morale um, and cause, you know, like look at Mage Mormont. She gives your unit plus two morale and she causes like D3 wounds when whenever her unit passes a morale test. I mean, Mage Mormont and like a unit of Berserkers is not a target that the Flayed Men are probably going to really, really want to get stuck into. Okay, they're just not. Um, Berserkers in general, great axes, and they're great. Um, you know, even the Mountain That Rides going against flayed men doing that you know four attacks with with no armor saves with pyromancers no armor saves i mean just think about that part of the 10 points you're paying for flayed men you're paying for that two plus armor save so how much does it suck you know when you lose like 25 percent 40 percent of that unit to an attack that doesn't allow armor saves um and you know if you're using your flayed men to just camp on an objective you're you're really not making the best use of your points. You're not using the unit the way it's intended to be used. Um, flayed men are most effective um, when they're tying up multiple enemy units and keeping them off your line, not scoring points. Um, so like we talk about, you know, dealing with flayed men, you want to tie them up, you know, with a unit. You want to keep them busy. You want to keep them away from Well, that's the same way you should use them except the opposite. I mean, you want your flayed men to not be out there, you know, on a flank, just messing with, you know, a wolf and some outriders all by their lonesome. I mean, you kind of want them close to, like, center flank. You want them to be able to threaten multiple units. You want them to be able to support, you know, your units. And you want to tie up, you know, the enemy from attacking your your less armored units and you want you want to kind of use them as like your your anvil, almost like a floating anvil that hits kind of hard. You know, that's what you want. There's lots of ways in this game to cause lots of damage through tactics cards, through panic tests, through um, tokens, etc. So, one unit does not make or break this game. It's, it was just designed that well. Um, I don't know how to articulate it any better. Um, so, flayed men. Don't be scared of them because, you know, you're, the enemy is paying for taking them. If you're taking, like, two units of flayed men in your army, you're paying for that. You're paying for that. Because you have 20 points left to fit in a couple NCUs 
and to get maybe one or two combat units, which probably are not going to have attachments. They're not going to be like your premier favorite units. You're counting on those flayed men to hold objectives, destroy enemy units, and that kind of thing. And just looking at the math, I mean, eight attacks hit on threes with critical hit, you're looking at like five or six hits. Five or six hits. Um, so that's, you know, three wounds on a halberdier unit. That's three wounds on a sworn sword unit. Now, they also have vicious, so... Um, you know, be wary. Um, during deployment, I, I am going to try my hardest to, at least on my end, um, try to keep those corpse piles away from objectives. You know what I mean? Um, I'm going to try to deploy in such a way that leads my... If I deploy first, I'm going to try and de deploy in such a way that leads my opponent to kind of mimic me or something. Like, I'm going to put them in flanks. In deployment, not outside deployment zone and flank areas. That's what I'm going to do. Um, I'm going to try and keep at least, you know, two objectives clear of corpse piles. As you know, I don't worry about the guardsmen camping next to corpse piles as much as I would do about, you know, Tywin and the halberdiers. You know, seven plus is not that bad. That's average. I don't want to make it, you know, seven plus minus one. I don't want to, I don't want to do that. I don't want to end. You know, it's bad enough you get hit by a vicious. I don't want it to be, you know, seven plus minus two. Because then, then you're starting to get in a territory where more than likely you're going to fail. And you're not going to, you're not going to, um, you know, start that Lannister supremacy. You're not going to put that into effect. You know, if you're a Stark player or, you know, a Nightwatch player and, um, you know, there's, there's corpse piles all around objectives. You know, when you're getting hit with vicious, you just don't want the minus three. Because, I mean, even like a sworn sword unit, you're a six, you don't want the minus three. And that, that kind of goes into your thinking, too, is, you know, do I want to put someone that's stalwart with one of my units that's going to, you know, be holding that two-point objective? Do I want to be, you know, how, how am I going to defend against, you know, panic? How am I going to defend against that? And that's what you should look into when you're building your list. Um... I mean, don't take tactical advice from me by any means, um, but list building I'm pretty good at, and uh, I'm human, like everybody else. I make mistakes constantly. Um, I make more than more than my fair share of mistakes during during games. Um, but like I said, friendly games is totally different than tournament, and so I'm trying to get in that tournament mode. And in in like a friendly game, when I show up, I might want to try and get in two games. And, and people are trying to get as much playing time as possible, and we're having fun, and we're talking, and we're, you know, asking each other, you know, what's currently on the paint table, or have you played this game before? Have you done this? Have you done that? You know, there's all kinds of that kind of stuff going on. And so it's easy to get distracted and miss things. And it's not intentional. It just happens. Whereas, like, in a tournament, you know, you've never met this person before in your life, um, for the most part. Maybe you've spoken briefly and if they have a club mate they're there for the same reason you so there's going to be banter to a minimum a lot less distraction and I don't feel so bad taking like an extra minute or two during my you know when I'm activating stuff to you know measure and check around and look where I might not be so apt to do that you know in a friendly game so in countering you know they've said on the forums a lot and I agree panic is the way to do it um Panic is, if you want to eliminate, you know, the flayed men unit and your Lannisters, wait till they're near a corpse pile, drop Cersei on them, and hit them with, you know, negative four panic tests. Give them wounds that way. Force them to take an activation on the tactics board 
to heal them up. Um, the sooner you can do that in the game, the better. Um, if they don't heal them up, then you get a chance of really hurting them when combat. But it's going to take multiple rounds to kill a Flayedman unit. You're not going to kill them in one round. You're not going to kill them probably in two rounds. You're going to have to take concerted effort to kill those guys. And frankly, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Um, if you're ahead in victory points, it's not worth it. Um, if you're way ahead in victory points, go ahead and kill them off. Uh, if you're behind in victory points, you know, you need to be trying to take objectives and and kill off weaker units. You know, you want to pick off the, the weaker members of the herd. You don't want to um, try to make a comeback by going after a 2-plus armor save unit. It's not going to happen. So you'll see neutral armies where they will have um, Varus and maybe Roos Bolton. And they will have a unit of Flaidmen. And they will have the Bastard Girls of Brawn. And they will have maybe two or three units of Cutthroats. Or in lieu of the third unit, they might take a third NCU. You know, which is Littlefinger. When you're fighting those lists, it's a little bit different. Because, frankly, in those lists, they're going to want you to concentrate your efforts on on the flayed men. You know, that one flayed men unit, the more, you know, worry, the more... The larger the amount of resources you, you know, you direct toward the flayed men is is going to hurt you. Um, bastard girls can can do just as many wounds, if not more, to you than a flayed men unit can. However, they have a really bad armor save, right? So, um, much easier to kill, you know, than flayed men. So kill them. You know, um, cutthroats. They're pretty nasty. Um, if they have a Dreadfort Captain, you know, they can, they're going to hit you with Vicious. They're going to be hit just, you know, they're going to really hurt you in the panic side. They have, you know, a lot of attacks. What is it? They've got, you know, eight attacks hitting on threes, and they're Vicious. So the only thing they lack is Critical Hit. I mean, they, these guys are only five points, and they basically hit and can do as much damage to you as a Flayman can. However, they're much weaker, you know. Um, Cutthroats have an armor save, defense save of 5 plus, and a morale save of 7 plus. So when you play Boltons, you can eliminate their activations to give you edge in the game by picking off those Cutthroats first, by picking off those Bastard Girls. Um, don't put yourself in a situation to be charged by Boltons first. Don't do it. Um, especially a Roost-led list where, you know, he's dropping, if he's smart, he's, he's, he's putting two panic tokens on your units throughout the whole game because, you know, his cards are all about, you know, expend a token, spend a panic token, you know, on an enemy unit, that unit, that unit, its attachment loses all abilities this turn. I mean, there's nasty things it does with those panic tokens. So, um, it's worth it when fighting against a roost list sometimes. Sometimes your best play is to remove a panic token off, you know, the, the key unit you have in your army at the time, the unit that's holding the two-point objective, the unit that, um, is going to be the focus point of the enemy. Sometimes your best move is just remove that panic token. Because um, you're going to be minus two anyway. You don't want to be panicked on top of it. Because being panicked on top of, you know, initial minus two to your panic test save 
means you're probably going to fail that panic test. So again, um, flayed men up there with Starks, flayed men up there with Lannisters. You know, I look at it as like a benefit for me playing against them because I mean that's ten points. It's it's not going to be, you know, a unit of great axes with a great attachment. It's not going to be a unit of, you know, berserkers with great attachment. It's not going to be, you know, a unit of outriders of Brennan Tully. And when they bring the out when they bring the flayman, their army's going to be smaller. You know, they're not, they're, they're going to be hard pressed to get five units, you know, five full units in with a flayman unit. Same thing with Lannisters. You know, if they're putting that that money into Lannisters, that's two units of guardsmen. I mean, that's that's a unit of guardsmen, or that's a unit of you know crossbowmen in the mountain that rides. So I look forward to. I'm kind of happy when I see flayman in one of those lists, in a Bolton list. I never fought multiple ones, but a Bolton list, Boltons can really hurt you badly. Um, you really, really, really should never underestimate the Boltons. They're just as just as dangerous as any other army you'll ever fight. But the key to the Boltons is, you know, target management, knowing who you want to go after. I mean, if you've got a chance to, because um, they're a lot easier to kill, you know. Um, Bolton cutthroats are a lot easier to kill than sworn swords. They're a lot easier to kill than guardsmen. They're a lot easier to kill than Harlow halberdiers. Um, and same thing with, you know, the bastard girls. I mean, when you see those units you want to kind of deploy, don't think of the flayed men as, you know, they might hurt you a little bit like we've talked about math-wise, but they're not going to they're not, they're not gonna win a game all by themselves. Kill those other units off and you should be okay. Um, it's not easy to win with Bolton's. So the people that do win with Boltons, I mean, you just know if you're sitting against, playing against a guy who's got a fully painted Bolton list or he's played it nonstop Bolton, he's got a sticker on his shirt that says, you know, my name is Reek, like our local guy does. I mean, that's one, that can be one scary army. It's You'll never have a more fun game than playing against a Bolton list, but, I mean, it's fun. They're fun to play against, but they can be super scary. But they're also a little bit easier to beat sometimes. Because you just got to concentrate on their weaker units. And as the game progresses and you're taking out units and they're cutting down their activations while your army remains intact, you're going to be in a much better position to, you know, win the game in the end, you know, versus them. So do not, whatever under circumstances, you know, when you're playing against a neutral army, um, go hog wild and make it your plan from the get-go to try and, you know, destroy those flayed men because you're going to lose. So, flayed men in general, they got an armor plus two, so what do we do? Um, we tie them up, we keep them away from, you know, we keep them away from where we're going to win the game at. If we have to um, engage them and kill them, we make sure that we set it up properly. We don't just attack one-on-one -on -one against them. If, if they're coming to in charge range of us, you know, it's not stupid to pull back and rearrange your units so that if they charge one of your units, you're going to have a flank with the other one. You know, we want to make sure if the fight does have to happen that we're going to have the advantage. So two rounds later, they're going to be dead. Three rounds later, they're going to be dead. We're not going to be dead. They're going to be dead. Um, and remember, they cost 10 points, too. So instead of being like, oh, crap, man, that Stark unit, that Stark list has flayed men, think, oh, you know, thank you, Jesus. They're not going to have, like... You know, they're not going to have Brendan, the Blackfish, you know, and you know, the Great Swords are not going to be able to have, you know, Eddard with, with Honor Guard, they're not going to be able to have, you know, um, Mage Mormont, 
you know, with they're not going to have, you know, it's, there's a trade-off. They're paying a lot for that. And if you're Lannisters, you don't worry about them because, you know, Lannisters are the best and, you know, Lannisters can beat anybody, especially in my time unless I'm totally confident with this thing. Um, you know, I'm more confident today than I was a couple days ago. And I was pretty confident a couple days ago because that's the only thing I really get cocky about is Tywin. I mean, he's amazing. He's the best. And he's going to, I'm sure, uh, do a good job of um, bringing me to victory in a couple days, a couple weeks. So, anyway, that's all. That's a big, long ramble on Flayed Ben. It kind of got off sidetracked. It didn't go anywhere like I had planned it to go. Um, I blame myself, frankly. <laughs> Not really. Um, no, kind of really I do. But anyway, so when we get back, um, I'll think about something else to discuss with you guys. All right. It's Sunday night, and this is Bradley's Chat. Hey, guys. So the last one I kind of carried away, I talked for like 30 straight minutes on Flayed Man and just kind of branched off a couple different ways there. Let's slow it down. So, um... We've talked about Stark units, we've talked about um, Lannister units over the course of this podcast, over a couple episodes. Let me take the last part of this episode, let's just look at the released, as of now, um, Nightwatch units. And then in another episode, um, we can do their tactics cards, their commanders, their NCUs and attachments, just like we've done the other ones. So let's just briefly... um, for the last part of this episode, let's dive into Night's Watch a little bit. So, Night's Watch in general are going to be a little bit more expensive for the units that are released right now. Um, sometimes you might think they're overpriced or what have you, but you can't really say that because we don't know what the rest of their list is going to look like. We don't know what other units are going to be coming out because you can't you can't judge the cost of a unit in one army with another faction. You just can't. Um, this game has been designed so well that, uh, you know, um, you know the Ranger Hunters, for example, in your head might not be worth or be as effective as Lannister Knights. But, you know, within the Nightwatch Army, which I tried to play at one time, it was a total disaster because I, did, I just, you know, broke out the box and put them on the table and just kind of went for it. And, uh, yeah, it totally confused me. It was like brain surgery. It really hurt. Um, but having read, you know, since that game and looked at their cards and stuff, I realized they play a lot of things wrong. But anyway, um, the Ranger Hunters are probably well worth the eight points, you know, in, a, in, a, in an all-night watch list. So let's start off with them. First unit we'll look at is the Ranger Hunters. This unit doesn't come in the starter set, but it's available at a local friendly gaming store near you or online. And it is released. So they have a movement, they cost 8 points, they have a movement of 6. They have 2 attacks. They have a short range attack, and they have a melee attack. Both those attacks have the same attack profiles. They're both going to have 7 attacks at full ranks, 6 attacks that are down a rank, and 5 attacks for last rank. They have a defensive save of 5+, and they've got a really good morale, better than average morale of 6+. Their short bow attack is their short range attack, and the models look really cool. Um, if you haven't seen Nightwatch models yet, they look really great. I mean, they're just great. 
I thought all the models so far that Cool Meter Knots put out and Dark Swords put out have been fantastic, well designed, well sculpted, look great, and and these guys look really really good as well. So um, it's almost like the stuff that they're coming out with now is even going to be better than the stuff they originally came out with, which is pretty outstanding. So their melee attack is called Swift Strike. After this attack is completed, this unit may make a free retreat action if engaged. And that's cool because, you know, you're engaged, you do a melee attack, then you can do the free retreat action, and then maybe you can, you know, take the swords and attack the sword and get a free range attack later. You know, get them, you know, two attacks in a round. Or maybe you want to uh, force them to pivot to you to give up a flank to another one of your units, so you want to, you know, retreat sideways or something. They're also an opportunist, which is awesome. That's one of their special abilities. If this unit attacks an enemy that has not activated this round, it may re-roll any misses. So, you know, regardless if you're already engaged, say you charge last round but you're engaged this round and you're activating first, you get to re-roll attacks just like you're charging. Re-roll your misses just like you're charging. Also, like, even though it's short-range attacks, say, you know, you retreated and it's your first go this turn and, and you can shoot, you know, into the flank of the unit you just retreated from. And, and give them a negative one and re-roll any misses. That's really powerful. I mean, you're looking at, you know, you could easily get five or six hits with that. And, you know, if, you, if you're shooting into a flank, I mean, that's going to result in, you know, three four wounds. So that's the Ranger Hunters. You know, when I tried to use them, they pretty much just died ingloriously. But, uh, like I said, I totally played them wrong and... Um, you know, no excuse. I learned the hard way. If you haven't, if you haven't been able to tell yet by this podcast, like I kind of uh, come up with a theory and then I go, you know, uh, try to apply it on a table, and sometimes I get destroyed, and sometimes it works well. And over time, um, those bitter, disappointing losses, you know, I I learn, and that's just how I learn. I'm not naturally uh, fantastic in anything. Um, 47 years old, I'm pretty handy now. But, you know, starting off when I was 18, I couldn't work a skill saw. I didn't know how to use a sawzall. Um, I was terrible. Um, I couldn't cut a straight line if I wanted to. Now I'm pretty decent at it, but it just takes practice. Just like my painting, you know, I'm, I'm a, I was a terrible painter, and now I'm an average painter. Um, it took me several years and lots of practices to get that average point. But, you know, if you think you paint terribly now, you it's no excuse. Just keep going at it, and you will learn. Um, and the only reason I'm not an excellent painter is I'm lazy. I'm too lazy to ask other people and take the time necessary to learn, you know, all about layering and, and, and doing all those extra things people do. And I have nothing but respect for those awesome painters out there because some of the stuff I see posted online and stuff is just and seen in person, you know, from some of my friends. Dude, I mean, it's amazing how they do it. I mean, to me, I'm like, what are you spending, 12 hours on this guy? And, you know, they're not, but it's just, you know, because they practice and, and they've, Put in the time to learn the, learn the skill. And that's what they're good at. Same thing with like tactics and same times with any kind of game. Um, it's okay not to be good at a game at first. It's okay to lose your first hundred games. Um, doesn't make you less than anybody else. You just start learning a different way, learning at a different pace. But eventually, you keep playing and you keep plugging along and you keep um, don't be afraid to keep experimenting and trying out different things, even if people tell you it's crazy. Just keep on doing it and uh, be happy about it. Don't pay attention to naysayers. Um, it's a game. You're supposed to have fun. And and losing can be fun, too. I don't like to make a habit of it, but it can be. I mean, there's some very entertaining games I've had in my in my history of wargaming that have been total terrible losses, but they've been some of the most fun games I've ever had in my life where some crazy stuff really has happened. 
All right, don't get sidetracked, Brad. Okay, so we talked about the Ranger Hunters. Next up, we'll look at the uh, Sworn Brothers. And you get two units of these guys, I think, in their, uh, in their, in their Night Watch starter kit. Um, so the Sworn Brothers are six points. They have movement of five. They have one attack. It's a melee attack. It's called the Greatsword. It's three plus. They get seven attacks at full ranks, five attacks, you know, down a rank, four attacks for, um, you know, down to the last rank. They have an armor save of four plus and a um, really good morale of six plus. So if you notice, they might have, you know, one less attack than, you know, sworn swords. So what what's the deal? Well, here's the deal. They get critical blow. So that's going to be, you know, if you do the dice, do the math in your head, that's going to equal to they're going to average one more hit than a unit with the same stats without critical blow. And they get sundering. So they're probably going to average one more wound than a unit. So they're going to do, on average, probably, you know, one more wound and one more hit and one more wound than, say, you know, another unit that doesn't have those special abilities. So for six points, they're a heck of a good buy. Um, and that's like your mainstay. Like, I mean, a lot of people I've seen that play Knights watch a lot or really love this unit, and I can see why. I mean, they hit hard. I mean, you get seven attacks hitting on threes. Say you're even taking on, you know, the Flaidman we talked about earlier. So you got seven attacks hit on threes, a critical blow. So say you get, that equals five hits. And then you've got, you know, so the enemy's going to have, you know, five hits, and then you're going to need to save on threes. That's going to equal probably two wounds on, maybe three wounds. So you might get two or three wounds on the Flaidman with these guys. They're pretty decent. They're really good. And plus, you know, if you have Amon and, and some of their healing abilities through their tactics cards and, you know, with uh, Jon Snow and stuff like that, you don't, you're going to be able to replenish your wounds. I mean, I fought a guy, I fought against a Nightwatch Army one time, and I had Jon Snow's Swarm Brothers down to Jon Snow, okay? And, and they basically healed all the way up to full strength, you know, that turn. So they have a, you know, you talk about the others, you know, coming back to life. These guys come back to life pretty good, too, on the tabletop. Now we have the one mounted unit that comes also in the starter kit. It's called the Ranger Trackers. These guys cost six points as well. And um, so they have movement of six. Uh, they're cavalry, so they get the free maneuver action at start of activation. They have two attacks, though. They have a uh, short range attack, and they've got a melee attack. Their short range attack has seven attacks at full ranks, four if they're to the last rank. Their short sword attack has um, six attacks and three attacks at last rank. So they're better at shooting than melee. And and also it looks like you're hitting, you know, with your short range attack on a three plus, you're hitting with your short sword on a four plus. They have an offensive save of five plus, a really good morale of six plus. They have one order they can do called mark a target. At the start of a friendly turn, one enemy within line of sight and long range becomes vulnerable. Alright, so picture this. You know, you got your ranger trackers. You're faster than, you know, say you're going after, say you want to hunt flayed men or hunt other enemy cavalry with these guys. Or say you just want to sit on the flank of a battle line and just stand off and shoot people in the flank. Well, you can make one unit vulnerable. And then you're going to be doing seven attacks that hit on threes. So, I mean, that's that's going to do some serious damage. I mean, you might put, you might end up putting um, five or six wounds on a unit. And that's not, I mean, that's easily could finish off a unit, you know, if they've already been previously engaged. So these guys are pretty deadly. Um, 
Yeah, they're really deadly. I mean, defensive save of 5-plus might sound, ah, uh, not so grand, not so great. Okay, so my cat, now if you hear that in the background, is currently attacking my debris pile from all this wood crap that I, I don't know what it is. It's like stuff I nailed up. Looks like, looks like almost like slap or something. I don't know. Never seen it before. But it was in the basement when I bought this house in one of these rooms, and i just been pulling it off, and now I've got a big pile of it. Now my cat's buried deep in there. Meowing like crazy and scratched at it, having a good time. So anyway, so I mean, this unit only costs six points. Whereas you look at like, let's compare them to Stark Outriders for a second, okay? Stark Outriders cost seven points. Ranger Trackers cost six points. And I'm not comparing. I'm just saying, you know, they each have a specific role. You know, you can't judge it. Um, I mean, the Starks would love to have a Ranger Tracker type unit. Um, but there's some things, you know, the Starks can do, the Stark unit can do because of their design. They're designed for melee, so they get the rapid assault, which you're not going to get with Ranger Trackers. You know, Ranger Trackers are harassment. Um, they're going to, you know, you're going to sit on someone's flank and cause panic tests and shoot them at negative ones and defense saves and stuff and maybe get behind someone in the rear and, you know, and, you know, think about how lovely that would be, though, to... You know, maybe fight an all-infantry army and get one of these units in the rear of somebody to have seven attacks hitting on threes at a minus two um, defensive save, and they're vulnerable. I mean, that's. I mean, that would be. You know, looking at my my Lannister list, if I had a unit of Ranger Trackers behind my get behind my line and just start pestering me, you know, shoot me like that. I mean, that would that would mean that I am not in not in a happy place as far as victory goes. I mean, I'm sure to have a good time and laugh about it, but it's not where I'd want to be. Whereas, you know, maybe have Outriders behind me, they have to engage me at least to, um, they have to engage me at least to, you know, do any damage, so I have a chance to at least hit them back. So, those are the Ranger Trackers. I was, when they first came out, some people were talking about two or three of them in an army. I haven't seen that yet. Um, I haven't seen that yet, because I don't know how good they'd be at, like, holding objectives and stuff, but... Yeah, a couple of those, and if I face a table with a couple of those, you know, that's going to be something new for me. So it's probably going to be a learn the hard way experience for me if it's a really good Nightwatch player. And then the final unit that comes that's been released by uh, Cool Mini or Not, and that's available in the starter box set, are the Veterans of the Watch. This unit costs eight points as well. They have movement of five. They have a dual weapons is their melee attack called. So they get eight attacks, you know, at full rank, seven attacks, if they're down a rank, six attacks with uh, last rank. They get a three plus armor save and a five plus, you know, morale save. So these guys are quite a bit. So you get one more attack, you get one better defense save, and you've got a better uh, and you've got a better defensive and you got a better morale save than you know the Sworn Brothers. Here's their special order they get. Counterattack. So when this unit is attacked with melee, after attacked, rice are rolled. For each block hit, the attacker suffers one automatic hit. I mean, they got a defense save at three. So, I mean, that's a situation where it wouldn't be surprising at all that you put more hits on the enemy than the enemy hits on you. You know, you might, you, you might do more hits on the enemy than they put on you when they're attacking you. And... It's also one of those things where you're going to be able to put units and better put wounds on the enemy in your turn. And that's something I love, you know, about the Lannister Army, putting wounds on the enemy in their turn. 
and error activation. Um, this is one of those units you can do it. And three plus armor save and a five plus morale, they're not going to be hard. They're going to be pretty hard to kill. A lot of people have talked. They don't like the models because they're kind of like in uh, static poses, you know, not action poses. They're kind of just. There's, they say there's three variations, but when you look at it from the top of the table, it looks like just one single model. You know, this dude just standing there with kind of sword stuck to the ground, just looking forward stoically. Um, I bet you look really good painted, but as just gray, they're kind of like a blah as far as like exciting poses goes. Um, I've heard people, and this is all just secondhand stuff, I've heard people love putting like Jon Snow in this unit, making it there, you know main things it's so hard to dislodge I've heard people say they don't bother taking them and they take you know swarm brothers instead I don't know it's one it's I'm actually pretty excited to fight a Nightwatch army at the tournament because I've only played against uh, played against it one time and used it one time and um, lost both those games so um, but I didn't have Tywin with me you know and, and like I said Tywin Mame Jamie and uh, the Mountain That Rides those are those are my guys those are uh you know, we got a pretty good record with those guys. Um, so we'll see if we can get some revenge on the on these uh, guys coming up. But so those are the those are the uh, four units or five units that are or four units rather that are uh, currently released for the Night's Watch. Um, it's a really fun army. It's an excellent buy. I mean, you can you can easily put like fill a forty point army with them um, and then pick up you know what you want like I, I got the starter box and I picked up a unit of the uh, ranger hunters the first unit we talked about and um, that's definitely an army I want to play in the future um, as you've heard me talk before and I'll say it again right now I'm in Lannister mode I see myself shifting to Stark mode next and then eventually I'll go to this mode and again I'll say like um, you'll we'll go over the free folk and stuff but you won't hear excitement in the back of my voice when I talk about the free folk because I'm just not excited about the free folk, you know? Um, and that's not to say they shouldn't have made them. I'm not saying that at all. I mean, there's plenty of people that love the free folk, and they're going to be great. They're going to be fun to play against, and I look forward to playing against them. But as far as, like, painting, um, fielding them, buying them, like I said, the next thing I want to do is cause I pretty much have everything I want at the moment, like... Bolton's going to do a Bolton army. I'm doing Lannisters right now. Stark army for sure. Nightwatch for sure. Um, I want to do Barat Baratheons. I want to do... I really, really, really um, looking forward to Dorne, if they come out with Dorne. And I want Greyjoy. I mean, those are what I want. I don't care about Daenerys Targaryen. Don't care about her dragons. Don't care about her, uh, you know, dudes on horses with bows and stuff. Not really into that. Not really into, um, you know, the free folk. So, if you love free folk, no offense intended, um, there's not my thing. And that's fine, because a lot of people hate Lannisters. I don't know why you hate Lannisters, but a lot of people hate them, and, and I'm fine with that. Um, more for me. Um, but yeah, so this will conclude um, today's episode. I was going to wait and do one like later in the week when I got a chance to interview some of my uh, gaming buddies. And um, you'll really like them when you get a chance to, to meet them on here. They're a great group of guys. And... Um, they're way smarter than I am as far as this game goes, and um, I always have a lot of fun when I get to play with them. So we'll meet them. There's still plans for that. Hopefully I can get some uh, interviews with them tomorrow night. That's the goal anyway. If not tomorrow night, then Wednesday. And uh, and we'll see how that goes. Um, but anyway, I hope you enjoyed this little episode. Um, 
I'm just getting used to doing them every day. So even if I don't have like a set thing to say, I'm just used to, it's part of like my evening time, you know, my Brad time. I like to come down here and just ramble for a little while. So anyway, I hope you enjoyed it. And I hope you have a, a wonderful Monday. Um, if you're going to work, you know, just, just make the best of it. You know, wake up early, eat a good breakfast, drink some coffee, you know, maybe sneak a shot or two in, you know, on your way into the office and just make, have a great day. And um, so we'll talk to you later on this week. And until then, um, happy gaming. All right, bye.